And welcome to the latest edition of Let Me Tell You Something's Match of the Week, an ongoing series in which me, your co-host Lorcan Mullen, and your other co-host Simon Cross discuss a match from the wide history of professional wrestling. It might involve significant figures of the present, significant figures of the past, or maybe even significant figures of the future. Uh, very much in this point, it was figures of the future, but are now of the present with this choice. That it's my turn to go with Simon. What have I gone for this week? You have gone for a four-way elimination match between El Generico. Whatever happened to him? Jigsaw, but not that one from the Saw movies. Nick Jackson and a very, very skinny Kota Ibushi. Compared to how he is now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, had, he had some muscle on, but not all the muscles. <laughs> that ever lived and he had like a, at this point a disgusting body fat percentage of like one percent so, <laughs> but this is fairly early on in the careers of all these gentlemen and that was one of the reasons why i picked it you have three figures that are now very significant in their respective promotions and another figure that was never quite there but it works for this one because he's the home star of the promotion that's showing this. This was at the Chikara King of Trios event for 2009. Yeah. Three-night event that was essentially the highlight of the Chikara calendar. What do you know of Chikara, Simon? It's a place where lots of flippy stuff happens. <laughs> that's all I really know. I know they are big into their trios. Um, and I, that is pretty much it. It's a bit of a blind spot, to be honest. Chikara was essentially as close as we got to a comic book-influenced Lucha Libre promotion based in Philadelphia, like so many of the popular promotions of the period were post-ECW. It was the founded and the brainchild of Mike Quackenbush. And throughout it all, it was key two things were comic books and Lucha Libre. The wrestling style is very Lucha Libre. The rules of the tag team matches and of this match follow the Lucha rules of once someone leaves the ring, they can be replaced. Mm. There's an in-house style that he popularized and he taught his students and his students made up the bulk of the promotion. And Jigsaw was one of his top students. Although I think, you, you know, without being harsh on the guy, he was a good wrestler, but... He looks a step behind all three of the other people who have gone on to become bigger stars than he did. Yeah. Although, let's face it, those three are elite level. <laughs> yeah, it's like you only got to play in the championship and the other three are, you know, international players as well as premiership players. You know, it's not, yeah. there's no shame being as good as Jigsaw was. He can keep up with them. There's just moments where he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't project as much charisma or ta- uh, or not talent he doesn't project as much poise and and confidence in his own movements and I will say also this is very early in the run in the runs of all three of the big stars and they do make mistakes that I don't think they would make this nowadays not so much in the moves themselves maybe in how frequently they do the moves but more importantly the psychology that they put into this match because mm. this has one of my biggest bugbears in all of wrestling when it's a multi-person elimination match and they're still breaking up pins that do not end the match 
Yeah, that the commentators highlight that a lot as well, which doesn't help, Matt, which compounds it in this case, I feel. Just play it smart. Like, it's it's so simple. Well, I thought they were going to play it smart initially because if you look at it, the previous night, all four of these men have been involved in the King of Trios tournament. Coach Ibushi is a part of Team DDT. I'm not sure what Team Jigsaw was a part of, but I think he might have been knocked out of the tournament as well at this point. And Nick Jackson and El Generico were part of the same team, Team PWG. Yeah. They then factor that in as at one point it looks like El Generico and Nick Jackson are going to team up on Kota Ibushi. And Jigsaw stands on the outside and sort of like, well, I'm just going to let them get on with it. Yeah, <laughs> I ain't mucking about with that. <laughs> then they hit him as well. And that could have led to a logical thing to do with this because it's a four-way elimination, but the notion is that they are doing it under tag rules that two people are in the ring at one time yeah and then either someone gets tagged in or someone leaves the ring and they're replaced again like logically you should just watch the other person go in at all times and just stay on the outside for the first fall you could do that i guess logically unless someone tagged you in but because nick jackson and el generico team up the logical thing to story tell of the first fall would be that Jigsaw and Kotobushi become brief partners yeah. in order to quell the advantage that Generico and Jackson are having. And then in the second fall, whichever way it's gone, to their advantage or disadvantage, you can play the story as it is. Very often that's how battle royals work out. You get to the final four and they just happen to be two baby faces and two heels. Mm. And so the two and the so they'll pair off. And then usually the face will be eliminated and that leaves two heels beating up on the face. The face manages to get one of the heels out and then the other heel. I think Rey Mysterio's Rumble win is a good example of that. I think he partners up with Rob Van Dam in the final four. Yeah, it's just it's a, it's your classic setup for most battle royals, I think. At least most WWF battle royals of that period. Um, and most Royal Rumbles, really. They do that, but then they don't do that. Then suddenly Generico turns on Jackson. It seems like if there's any heel in this match, it's quite odd that it's held Generico. Yeah. I've always seen El Generico as like the you know the great baby face of pure baby face in like a Ricky Steamboat, Ricky Morton kind of mold. But is it a case of like obviously they're on the same team from the same promotion like before, but they don't they don't coexist. They they disagree fundamentally. Maybe it's like a pride. I think the commentator one Bryce Remsburg tries to like in indicate it's like a pride thing between the two of them but you can see that bryce remsburg's making it up as he goes along because they're not following the logical psychology of the match that they're presenting and even the story that they were telling yeah and there's no reason then at one point that one of them has jigsaw down for a pin and coach rabushi's trying to get in and either knack or nick jackson or el generico is trying to stop him mm. it's just all these little things that just do not make sense but what you do get in this match are moves and my goodness the moves oh yeah like jigsaw's gory special he goes so deep i can't remember who he applies it to but he he is squatting down like properly there world of hurt coming (laughs) well i think if this match is known for anything it's the sequence that ends the first fall after generico's gone on the rampage and taken out Nick Jackson and Jigsaw with dives to the outside. Well, he does a he's running sort of Fosbury flop moonsault onto Nick Jackson, and then follows it up with his trademark dive through the ropes. DDT, D- tornado DDT onto Jigsaw, and then starts going after Kota, and they just have this insane sequence, and they 
sort of show fighting spirit and not, and and all that sort of stuff mm. to the and to the point that Generico teases doing his most his super murder death kill finisher of the brain buster, which Off is the where top. It, well, yeah, but it's not that he does. They don't. He doesn't do a brain buster in the way that you do like a superplex. Yeah. What he does is he puts them up for the brain buster, but instead of dropping their head on the mat, he drops their head on the top turnbuckle. Oh, right. Mm. But fortunately, Kotrabushi escapes that and hits him with... Super Reverse Rana! Super Reverse Rana! And because it's a super one, in one of the rare instances in the history of professional wrestling... <laughs> it actually gets the job done. Like someone hitting Kidman with a power bomb occasionally, once in a blue moon, someone gets pinned from a reverse Rana. <laughs> it's weird how it's structured, though, that it's like the climax happens in the first act and then the second and third acts are quite quickly rushed through. Yeah, it's like a. They, they feel bolted on. It's like, oh, yeah, we've done this. This is sick. Mm. The match is still happening. Yeah, oh, the logical yeah. moment to have done that would have been to have those two as the last two. But I think within this, you're seeing the politics of Chikara in that they want to keep their local talent strong Yeah, in Jigsaw. So they have then quickly Nick Jackson and Jigsaw take part in a sequence that they don't even bother trying to match what Ibushi and Generico mm. do. But Jigsaw gets a pinfall win before them being the last person to be eliminated by Coach Ribushi. See, I was about to say, why not make it one fall then? Like, if Jigsaw's not going to win. But yeah, at least this way he gets a pinfall. So I can see how, as you say, the politics make a little more sense having it as an elimination match. Because mm. he gets to beat someone, even though he doesn't win. But mm. It is funny how these things work. Because this is like a tournament within the event tournaments as well. Where all the top high flyers that get knocked out of the first round. I think that's how it works. Then on the second night, they take part in two four-way eliminations, and the winners of those two go on to the next night to crown the Rea de Valadores, which is the king of the flyers. Yeah, um, they say uh, player dose. Uh, yes, was awaiting the winner of this. Yes, Stu Grayson, as he's known now. Yes, it's a stunt spectacle before they've necessarily all learned character and broaden their horizons. I mean, you don't see. This version of Coach Rabushi at all, really. He's much more grounded now. He yeah. rarely does the double moonsault spot, which was like his signature spot. Around this time, he was like known online for all of his cool moves. And then he did like a short tour of Ring of Honor. It was just like getting his hits in, which were things like him going for the kick, the person evading it by crouching down, but then lying on the mat long enough for him to hit a standing moonsault on them. Yeah. Um, you know. The going for the moon salt, the person rolling away, but only stopping at a certain point that allows Coach Rabushi to hit them with the second moon salt from standing position after landing on his feet. And they're all brilliant spots. And you can see why he got attention, but you can also see how he became this more complete wrestler that he would then go on to do to the point that, you know, what was it, last year's G1 or the G1 before? Yeah, I think it was last year's G1 where he had a match with Tai Chi that entirely consisted of leg kicks. Yeah. Or the Minoru Suzuki matches, which are just like a Pancrase tribute. With Nick, you can see now, like, especially with their current AEW stuff, a lot of, like, more character stuff, like, in terms of just, just posing, preening, winding up. Mm. Well, the fourth wall breaking hasn't occurred yet at this point. It essentially, I think that's what the Young Bucks essentially became 
was everything that people criticised them for. So someone would look at a match like this and say, this is a spot fest, this is ridiculous. And, you know, you don't know how to actually wrestle. Nick and Mac Jackson just go, you want a spot fest? We'll give you a spot fest. <laughs> I don't know, are there any super kicks in this match? I can't remember now. No, I don't remember any. He basically wasn't irony yet. He was just kind of a a fairly sincere 80s tribute act with 21st century moveset. Yeah. And so he doesn't really stand out because that Nick Jackson that we know now that dyes his facial hair into different colours every week and does Randy Savage impressions isn't there <laughs> yet. But what you are getting is crazy good athlete. But I don't think even this match really appreciates just how good an athlete he is. He hits the 450 splash, and that was the thing. That was the one that annoyed me the most. That was when he hit the 450 splash on Ibushi, and I think at that point, Generico pulled him off. Yeah. The, not in that way. But, I was going to say. Stopped, <laughs> broke up the pinfall, which is just so dumb. Unless, again, you say, I want to be the one that pins Ibushi, but they don't establish that well enough to me. Mm-hmm. It's a fascinating one to look for the future. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't rate this match any more than like three and a half stars, maybe. Maybe at a push, if I was really generous, go up to four. Yeah, it's just like a fun throwaway thing, really, yeah. It's over in like less than 15 minutes, and they just pack everything into it. No, There's no real, I can't recall any kind of botch spots. There's one moment where I think Generico sort of loses his place a little bit, when yeah. him and Jackson are sort of facing off against each other, but they don't, it doesn't look like they're deer in the headlights or anything. No. It's just like tiny little things, which now you wouldn't see, as they're like so much more polished as performers the connective tissue i suppose is what we always put it there as. we go yeah and just giving that character emotional connection that you would have now more with these guys yeah but that takes time uh, and the counter argument to that again a little bit could be that they are in like a lot of them are in an away promotion they are doing like a, a free a one one event like tournament kind of thing so Absolutely. That's exactly the thing with the indie scene where people say, oh, these people are all smart monkeys and everything. It's like they can't tell a long-term story. Well, most of these people aren't booked in promotions where they know they're going to get to tell the long-term story. Yeah. When Generico did get to tell the long-term story with Kevin Steen in Ring of Honor, it's one of the best stories in wrestling of the past 15, 20 years. Despite mm. what Jim Cornette might think. <laughs> Similarly, all the stuff that Coach Rabushi's managed to do in New Japan for his character and all the stuff he's done with Kenny Omega and all the stuff that they did with the Young Bucks. Yeah. But like you say, when you're sort of hitting this cold, it's it's a great showcase, but that's kind of all it is. But a fascinating yeah. thing to look at in hindsight. And also just interesting to see that like when there is one person that's not quite at the level that they are, but can just about keep up, but how you can... What is it? I don't know what it is that you can see. I don't know if it's just maybe the confidence in their, their posture and their positioning, because he can do all these cool moves. He was a well-trained guy. He was kind of the, one of the top students of Quackenbush's class. Yeah. He did sign with Ring of Honor around this time, and Ring of Honor actually made him take off the mask, which never really helped him. We, we don't have time to go into all of Chikara, but Chikara is a fascinating promotion to talk about for both its good and bad elements, really. Mm. In in both the talent and particularly in the man that was responsible for it, um, where he stands now in the wrestling industry. I want to keep this one relatively brief for multiple reasons, but I think, is there anything else you want to add about the match? Uh, no, not really. I, I, I think that point you make about Jigsaw, I think he just didn't have the X factor that the other three had, like the intangible. But to be fair, none of them have the X factor X factor that made them stars yet of those three. Not in this match. They have what was bringing them attention at this time in the indie scene. Yeah. 
but they improved upon it. They grew on it over time as well. All of them. But yeah, no, that's all I've got to say, basically. Did you also notice one thing I did like about Chikara was that it was a PG product. Like, Kevin Steen was never welcomed back after he said the F word at one show. <laughs> and if you notice at one point, one of the big spots, the crowd started chanting, holy poop. So the crowd <laughs> was in on it as well. And that's whenever I've wanted to... Whenever I talk about making a, a promotion, a wrestling promotion, Chikara would be a big point of inspiration with how it told its stories and and also that it presented a family-friendly product. I would want to do that with my wrestling promotion if I could. Yeah. So Chikara would be a big inspiration point. So we should talk more about it in the future as time goes on. Like, like I said, I bought like three or four years worth of King of Trios tournaments and watched them all over a couple of weeks. And it's fascinating to watch, especially all the talent they both bring in and the talent that they have at home and how some of it develop, some of them develop and some of them don't. Yeah. Like, this was the home promotion for people like Chuck Taylor, Johnny Gargano, Chris Hero, Claudio Castagnoli. It was the promotion that really brought him to the United States. Yeah, lots of great talents. Yeah, so that's something we can do for the future. But what we're going to do for our next match of the week, Simon, assuming there's no five-star matches in between is from another promotion that was of a major influence with at least two of the guys in this show as well. Uh, what are we doing next? We are talking about the PWG Championship match between Ricochet and Kyle O'Reilly. Taking place at a show called Black Coal Sun on the 12th of December 2014, if you want to look for that yourselves. I think that might have been Adam Cole's farewell show, possibly. Oh, okay, cool. No, 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 it's not, but it is a show where there's a great moment with Adam Cole. I'll save that for that episode. <laughs> oh, one thing I will say about uh, uh, about Chikara that uh, was at this event, I remember watching it, was one of the things that they had as a gimmick was that when a wrestler couldn't turn up to an event, they would have a replacement. And the idea was that they had the name of every single wrestler in this hat. And they would pull out names until one of them happened to be in the venue who would then replace them. Oh, okay. And so in the past, they had ones like... Um, I remember they, they had one where they were doing, like, Johnny Cashmere. And as a, <laughs> it was of the Backseat Boys. And as a joke, the Bryce Remsburg, the referee, went to try and find him. And so he went into the men's toilets. And uh, <laughs> I guess that was a reference to something, a bit of an inside term. Uh, until they eventually pulled out Tito Santana. And Tito Santana just happened to be there. So Tito Santana. <laughs> so for this one, one of the tag teams that were there, one of the six-man tag teams was the Cold Fronts, which was Glacier, Ooh. Iceberg, <laughs> and Al Snow. Aye! <laughs> Unfortunately, Iceberg wasn't able to get there in time. Al Snow made a point about global warming or something. So then they started pulling out names from the hat. The first one they pulled out was Avatar, much to Al Snow's annoyance. Then Shinobi, much to Al Snow's annoyance. Then <laughs> Leaf Cassidy, much to Al Snow's annoyance. Then it was D'Lo Brown, and D'Lo Brown happened to be there, so they got D'Lo Brown as their partner. Oh, sick. <laughs> so, yeah, that's some more fun stuff we can do talking about Chikara in the future. But like we say, there's your homework for the next episode. Ricochet versus Kyle O'Reilly, PWG. Black Coal Sun for the PWG World Championship. 
But until then, Simon, how can people get in touch with you if they want to give you some more Chikara recommendations? People can get in touch with me on Twitter where I'm so the Simon Cross Free. Free for the number of individuals in this match who we have covered previously. My name is Lorcan Munn, and that's L O R C A N M U L L A for the A at the end of Kota. And N for the N at the start of Nick. That's my Twitter handle, Instagram, Facebook, Letterbox. If you put in at gmail.com at the end of it, that's my email address. Get in touch with the show at lmtyspod at gmail.com. Lmtyspod is also our Twitter and Facebook handles. But there's nothing left to say at this point except that my name's Lorcan Mullen. And my name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a great week. Until the next week. <laughs>